The Truth News Network. When the official line is that vaccinations will save lives and the real numbers surface that more are dying from the injection than the virus. When the official line is that vaccinations will protect us all and the numbers surface that the unvaccinated are not the ones dying, it may be time to check your facts. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And checking facts is what we do. The man doing it is Dan Newman. Hi there. How you doing today? Brand new week. Wow, hope you had a great weekend. I hope you got a lot of things done over the weekend. We're in this thing in the South where we do this transition from, I I really can't call it winter, even though it officially was winter, because it never really gets cold here. Like, you know, you folks up North get. We go pretty much from fall to spring or either summer to winter. We don't have four seasons here. And it depends on what part of the state of Louisiana, our state in particular, in which you live. You know, we stretch pretty far top to bottom. Most folks don't realize to go from Shreveport, Louisiana, which is in the extreme northwest corner of the state, to New Orleans, everybody thinks, well, you know, the state of Louisiana is close to everything. It's easy to get to New Orleans. It doesn't take much time. Five and a half hours driving. So it is a stretch from north to south. But at any rate, this is the time of year where the plants and the flowers, they can't determine if it's spring yet. And so they'll bud. The trees will bud. Plants will start putting out buds and pretty much get it all out there, getting the process started for spring. And then we have a big freeze and it kills everything. (laughs) And then it has to start over. We're kind of in that. We don't know what season we're in yet. Pollen. I got in my car the other day, and I've got a dark gray car. And I mean, it looked like somebody had just poured a bucket of pollen on top of my car. So I ran it through a car wash, and I figured it was going to be that way, like it usually is for a week or so. It was gone that afternoon. No more pollen blowing around. So anyway, our folks up north looking for some cold, cold weather. They've got some in the Big Apple This week, I hope you're in a place where um, you're okay, no matter what the weather is. We have some friends that grew up in Louisiana. And when I say friends, I'm talking about people our age, 65, 68. In fact, Randy, one of the guys that I'm uh, speaking of, he just turned 70. And they moved to from Shreveport, Louisiana, well, actually from Bossier City, Louisiana, to Montana, And they just went through their first winter there, experiencing some days where the real temperature was negative all day long. You go from 75 or 80 degrees in Bossier City, Louisiana, is pretty much normal. You go to Montana and you spend a couple of months in the winter with temperatures hovering around zero with snow and ice everywhere. It's got to be a different experience. But isn't that interesting? You know, you think about it. People get accustomed to living where their bodies change when they move to someplace that's cold or they move away from someplace that's hot and it just goes up and down and up and down. And our bodies acclimate to that. And we don't even think about it anymore. And you know what? We're that way about a lot of other things in our lives. 
when you do something, the same thing or similar things day after day after day, month after month, finally you just take the mindset, things are going to be like this. This is kind of normal. That's a good thing in a way, but it's also a bad thing. You think about it. When we normalize in our minds and our hearts, when we we just make something that pretty much is not good, but because it's in our faces, it's part of our lives every day, we just forget about it. It just becomes part of the process of living. A lot of people stop trying to change and get better circumstances in their lives. That's a deadly thing, and it impacts people pretty much in negative ways across the board. You have the battered woman syndrome. Prime example, you have women that get involved in relationships and it becomes abusive, sometimes violent, but they just normalize it. In fact, it becomes such an obvious thing that they came up with the term for it, battered woman syndrome. We do that regarding every circumstance in our lives. And I'm saying this for a purpose. I think it's spring cleaning time for all of us. And I think what we need to do is just stop and maybe take a couple of days to just think through the circumstances in our life. Where where are you right now? I mean, not geographically, but in your life. Have you accomplished what you started out to get done? Are you still fighting? Are you happy in your relationships? Are things good there? How's your financial situation? And are you okay with the chaos that we have today in politics? Are you despondent? We should get get in a spot at least a couple of times a year where we just reflect on everything. Get our handles on what's going on and make some good choices. You don't have to do them really quickly. Take some time. I mean, this is life, folks. This is what we live for, is to make our lives better, make the lives better for all those that are in our lives directly and even indirectly. And, of course, at the middle of it all is our families. How are your kids doing? How are you doing with your kids? I mean, that's a big deal. We start with just ourselves. We end up with a spouse Before long, we end up with kids, and then before long, we end up with daughters-in-law and sons-in-law, and then we end up with grandchildren. Every part of that is a phase, and we've got to find a way to handle it and integrate all of it and all of those people into our lives. It can be be, uh, insurmountable in some cases. Don't go there. (laughs) Please don't go there, because if you make it bad and think there's no way out, That's not going to result in any good things, believe me. We don't want to go down that road. While you were having a great weekend, folks on the other side of the world were really struggling. This thing in Ukraine, let 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 me just say this. It's really getting to be a monster. One like I've not seen in my lifetime. And it has so many moving parts in it that people just are trying every day to get their arms or their minds around all of it. And you just can't do it. So many things are being purposely hidden from the American people. And in in fact, everybody, Ukrainians, Russians, 
we're hearing all this stuff and we're being told one thing and then sure enough, we find out other things are going on. Did you wonder, let me, let me just ask you this. You know, all that stuff came out a couple of weeks ago about biological weapon production laboratories scattered around Ukraine. 30 of them we hear. 30 labs over there. Why would we have laboratories set up in Ukraine, period? And everybody just kind of debunked that. Oh, there's no way that happened. But then I started looking back and listening back to what Vladimir Putin said before he started his invasion of Ukraine. Why did he give? What did he give as the cause publicly? What did he say was the justification for his doing so? Three things. Three things he said. Here's my reasons. Number one. Number one is I want to get all of the old Soviet Union, the old Russia. I want to get it back together. Those are Russian people. And there were no votes that were taken to take them away from Russia. Just different groups of people decided and they just said, okay, today we're this. We're not going to be that any longer. I want to pull all of that back together. And then he said, I want to get rid of the Nazis in Ukraine. Nazis. And everybody, when he said that, they're like, there are no Nazis in Ukraine. The Nazis are pretty much obliterated, and the only ones left are the remnants of Hitler's Nazism in Germany. And those people were all put away in the Nuremberg trials right after World War II. That's not the case. If you haven't, read today's story at truthnewsnet.org. I gave you history of what has gone on and where we are and how we are where we are in Ukraine. And guess what? It includes Nazis. There have been and there are Nazis in great numbers living in Ukraine. The Nuremberg trials are supposed to, and they did, they tried a bunch of Nazis that were involved in egregious activities like you can't imagine during WW2, and they they even put some of these people to death. Every Ukrainian Nazi, every one that went through the Nuremberg trials, they let them go back to Ukraine. A lot of the political power in Ukraine is held by Nazis. So Putin told us, you know, I want to go back and get the parts of uh, Russia, get them back, number one. Number two, I want to go get the Nazis. And they have Nazis. Number three, and I said there were three, they're really number four. But number three would be those 31 weapons, biological creation that the United States put there across Ukraine. Why? I don't know. But there's one more. To remove this move towards transgenderism that he calls it an evil from the West that's permeating Ukraine. So, I mean, that sounds like that's crazy stuff. And then we find out every one of those, every single one of those are happening. Is that sufficient for what Putin's doing in uh, out of Russia and Ukraine? Absolutely not. But it explains a lot. It explains why when he began his invasion, what would think 
whoever it was would be going straight for the capital. You know, you win the capital, you win the people, you win the country. He didn't do it. He started handpicking spots down in the south, on the edge of the east, up north, the northwest, the north central, the northeast, then the southwest. And it just so happens, every one of those places he went at first contained biological weapon laboratories. U.S. funded, at least, biological weapons. Why would he do that? He wanted to get rid of them. He feels very strongly that a lot of the results that come out of those labs are going to be to take things and uh, take power over Russia. But it couldn't be good. So I think he has a leg to stand on there. But what messes his credibility up is the way he's been doing it. Killing. I mean, just killing anybody and everybody. Men, women, babies. Just destruction of property. If he was a typical guy that wanted to go in and take a country, why would he want to go in to take a country? He wanted the country to be part of his political landscape. So you wouldn't want to just tear it all up. Because what you wanted, in large part, would either be gone or it would be broken. And then you'd have to spend billions of dollars to rebuild it if you wanted it to be what it was originally. So whether or not you think there was much going on in Ukraine regarding the Russian invasion over the weekend, there was. We don't see it all. All we see, folks, is what the mainstream media want us to see and hear. A lot of the the behind-the-scenes stuff we don't know about. And, of course, then we have our president, Joe Biden, over there, made a glorious trip. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. And he ended up in Poland, not far from the Ukrainian border. Gave a big speech. Flashy. Full of stuff. Very little substance. The Ukrainian people that were there, and a bunch of them in Poland were... Uh, refugees. We're told 4 million Ukrainians have been displaced in this, and more than 3 million of those are in Poland today. So a lot of those Poland, Polish refugees listened on the streets of Warsaw as Biden gave his speech. And he, he just messed up. He, anytime he gets off script, he messes up. I, I don't know who has his ear, or if anybody has his ear regarding staying on script. But it seems like every day the White House is being forced to go out and correct things that the president says in different venues. But this one was on a world stage. And what was the big gaffe? You heard. (laughs) He just really, really stepped in it over there. And what was it about? He said we got to get rid of Putin. And this is a direct quote. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. He's talking about Vladimir Putin, and he's, he's really telling the truth. But the implication is, when a president says that, is that we need to kill the guy. We need to get him gone. And, of course, our officials just, they started walking back the remark around the world, trying to anyway, minutes after the president said that. The Kremlin even came out, and they responded to it. They said, as everybody else would think, 
The American president is not the arbiter of who should be in power in Russia. That's not for Biden to decide. That's according to Dmitry Peskov. He's a spokesman for the Kremlin. The president of Russia is elected by Russians. So they had to march everybody out. State Attorney, Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. He agreed with Peskov. He sought to assure Moscow and other critics around the world that we do not plan to kick Biden out or dislodge him some way. Blinken said, as you know, and as you've heard us say repeatedly, we do not have a strategy of regime change in Russia or anywhere else for that matter. In this case, as in any case, this is Blinken talking, it's up to the people of the country in question. It's up to the Russian people. But all that coming out and trying to cover for the president, it got a lot of people talking in D.C. regarding the attention-grabbing comment from Biden. James Risch, you heard his name? He's from Idaho. He's a senator. He's the top Republican on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. He was on State of the Union with uh, CNN yesterday. And uh, Risch added, President gave a good speech, but there was a horrendous gaffe. And he he's just like me, what I just said. He said, I wish he would stay on script. Whoever wrote that speech did a good job, but I wish they would have kept him on script. And then it came, the reason I'm going down, I want I want you to catch this. You remember Jay Johnson? Jay Johnson, African-American guy. He was Barack Obama's Homeland Security Secretary. And he's the guy that actually built those infamous cages down at our southern border. And just like back then, when it was Obama in office and this problem cropped up at the southern border about illegals rushing the border and where do we keep them and all that, Obama was blasted for putting kids in cages. And Jay Johnson was the guy over and he said, we don't, we don't have any kids in cages you know, he, he, he went down there and did a tour and showed nationally pictures of the so-called cages, and they were fences inside, and they were set up to keep children segregated from adults. Now, why would they want to do that? That's obvious. They want to take care of the kids, protect them, because they did not know who was with whom and how many of those adults were there were actually sex traffickers or just regular human traffickers. Jay Johnson's that guy. Well, he kept he stepped up and said something uh, about what Biden said. The cleanup should have clarified that Biden's comment was not a statement of our policy. It's just simply a statement of fact. I thought that was appropriate. Johnson said, talking about Putin, he's a war criminal. He's slaughtering innocent men, women, and children. He illegally invaded Ukraine. He has got command and control of nuclear weapons. Anybody like that should not remain in power. Another Republican, Mike Waltz, Florida, said that by walking back his comment, the White House damages the president's credibility. The commander-in-chief has to be taken seriously. That's what he said, Waltz said yesterday. I don't think he's taken seriously right now. So Biden, yesterday evening, he gave a one-word response. 
He was asked if he had meant to say in Warsaw that Putin should be thrown out of office. No, Biden said while he was on his way walking out of the church. He went to church yesterday evening. No, he said. I got to be honest with you. Putin needs to be taken out of power. He is a nuclear guy, and he could go nuclear at any minute, and that scares the poo out of me. Because, obviously, if he hits the button, where are most of his ICBMs pointed? What about all those submarines that are circling the United States continent? And they're there with nuclear missiles. Where's the target number one on all their, uh, all their clocks or whatever you want to call them? They're all pointed at us. And if he just gets in a bad mood, he seems to be the type. He, he, if, he, if he got backed into a corner, even if he feels like he's backed into a corner on this, he's the kind of guy that would say, well, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to take a bunch of people down with me. Bam. Pushing the button. And I think everybody in the in the European area gets that. And I think they think about that a lot more than do our leaders up in Washington, D.C. Obviously, they're in it. They're in the zone. But folks, when it comes to nuclear missiles, there's no part of Earth that isn't in the zone. And so it looks like Vladimir Zelensky and Vladimir Putin may do a sit-down. May. I'm just saying, may, maybe I'm being hopeful, but they're going to have conversations about a peace deal. So in this conversation that they're supposedly going to have, Zelensky, he's insisted that he's going to prioritize what he calls the territorial integrity of Ukraine when they get together and talk. Now, what does that mean? Ukraine is Ukraine. He wants every part of Ukraine to be a sovereign nation, one sovereign nation. So he put out a video late yesterday, and it was for the for the Ukrainian people. Interpretation, here's what he said. We are looking for peace, really, without delay. There is an opportunity and a need for a face-to-face meeting in Turkey. This is not bad. Let's see the outcome. Our priorities in the negotiations, everybody knows. Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity are beyond doubt. Effective guarantees of security are a must. Obviously, our goal is peace and return to normal life in our country as soon as possible. He said he would work for a new round of sanctions against Russia this week. I didn't even know he had any on Russia. Sanctions, he said, are needed as long as Russian troops remain on the territory of Ukraine. But his comments were different from those he made earlier in the day when he was talking to a a Russian journalist. He said that Ukraine is prepared to talk about adopting a neutral status and also compromise over the status of that part of the eastern Ukraine, you know, that Donbass region, as part of a peace deal with Russia. But such an agreement would have to be guaranteed by third parties and put in a referendum. Remember, their their democracy, Ukraine is. A, a, a president can't go cut these deals without getting the government of the country involved in it. So what he's talking about and he's offering up there, he can't do it legally on his own. It's going to take some time. And folks, 
Look, we've got four somewhere with estimates between four and six million Ukrainian refugees. Some are just scattered around their own country. The others are flooding across their country's borders. Thankfully, they have a lot of friends and the nations around there understand it and have opened their arms. Specifically, the big one is Poland. But can you look back just 30 days? We're, I think, 34 days into this thing. That's that. If, if that's the right dates, it's a month and a week. Look at the devastation that has been wreaked on that part of the world in just a month. I mean, that that's almost like what Joe Biden did to us in his first 30 days in the White House. You can't believe that you can turn it around and so many things could be different. So many things could be gone. Do you understand that Ukrainian people have lost permanently the places where they lived, the places where they worked, the places where they worshipped, the places their kids went to school, the entertainment venues. Think about all of the normal pieces of your life. If you have kids especially, they have their friends They have their extracurricular activities they get involved in, like soccer and basketball and golf and just parks and riding bikes and all those. Those things are gone. And I mean, not just like we get here when we have, you know, a a windstorm, maybe a tornado go through and it goes through and it has devastation. We get together and in a few months, it's pretty much back the way it was. That's not going to happen in Ukraine. I mean, Hundreds of missiles from inside of Ukraine, elsewhere, just obliterating buildings, apartment buildings, office buildings, government buildings, hospitals, schools. They're just gone. Think about being a refugee, but thinking about adding on top of that knowledge, you're probably never going to get to go back to the same home you were in. And even if you do, it's going to be destroyed trying to get back to ground zero to restart your life think about if you're whatever age if your kids are scared to death you don't understand it if you're an adult you're thinking i didn't want my life to change and i certainly didn't want it to change overnight and that's exactly what's happened i have no input into what's going to happen i don't know what to do You've got a big question mark over every part of your life. And you may never have had to deal with that before. Think about your Ukrainian brothers and sisters. And when you do, every once in a while, say a little prayer for them. Because they're going through a hardship that I don't think anybody should go through. And certainly, in this case, this should have never happened. And Vladimir Putin's got to deal with it. He's going to have to pay a price somewhere down the line. I just hope that this guy doesn't go nuts and do something that not only he, but everybody on the planet is going to be involved with and we're going to be really upset about it and really hurt. I don't know what happens in his brain. I don't know what his end game is, but I do know he is a tyrant and he has ultimate power of some sort on his plate that he wants to achieve, I just hope the Ukrainian people, the Polish people, the other nations in that part of Europe, Eastern Europe, 
I hope they don't figure in and get caught up in it any worse than they already are. We're just getting started, folks, and it's not just about Ukraine. Much, much more after this. We may not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn-out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts by two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies, see store for details. Dinner, dinner, dinner. Every day you have to think of what's for dinner. Well, now Subway has a solution that is sure to please every person you have to feed for that last meal of the day. It's called Dinner Tonight. Every day after 4 p.m., Subway is offering a Dinner Tonight special, which includes two regular six-inch subs, two bags of chips, and two 21-ounce fountain drinks, all for just $11.99. This offer is available all day long on Sundays. Subway of Kodiak. Eat fresh. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. Hey, tomorrow we're going to have a special guest on the show in our first hour. Remember this name, Alex Bryant. Alex Bryant. Alex Bryant is an African-American man. Um, I guess he's probably in his 40s. He's from Missouri, lives outside of Springfield, Missouri, in Nixon. And he's running for Congress up there. There's there's some spinning around things going on in the uh, congressional party of uh, Missourians, and he's running. He's got a great story. He comes from a mixed family. He's got a white wife. Their children, obviously, are biracial. Ex-football player and ex-very successful business guy, and he wants to get into politics. So he's got a great story to tell. He'll be joining us in the morning in our first hour at 9 o'clock. Alex Bryant, you don't want to miss it. So what else is up here? Well, we need to do a little roundup over the weekend. Joe Biden again stuck his foot in his mouth about Vladimir Putin needing to go. And he also kind of messed around on his words about deter. Now, you remember in the run-up to this thing, his sanctions. He was going to destroy Russia with these egregious sanctions. And he waited till after they already started the invasion. And the deterrence whole process came right to the center of everybody's attention. And, of course, 
we didn't know it or he didn't know it, but he's gone back and forth on what he thinks the effectiveness is on sanctions. And it came to a head this weekend. Listen to this little uh, roundabout about Joe Biden, deterrence, what it means if it's worth anything and if it's going to cause anything. And we both talked about how we could increase and disseminate more rapidly food, food shortages. And- That's not what I said. You, you're, you're playing a game with me. I know. The answer is no. Let's get something straight. You remember, if you covered me from the very beginning, I did not say that, in fact, the sanctions would deter him. Sanctions never deter. You keep talking about that. Sanctions never deter. Thank you very, very much. Whoa, 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 whoa. No. Yeah, one final question, right. Hey, wait, hold on a second, please. I was supposed to be an hour ago at the European Union meeting and to speak. No, I'm thanking you. Uh, Someone I haven't called on before. You. Who are you? So, he said from the very beginning, oh, we got to put these things on, these sanctions. He didn't give any to the press at least, didn't give any description of what they were going to be, but we're going to put them on and they're going to pay the price. And then he just ramped that threat against Putin up over and over and over again. Of course, Putin starts and the sanctions go on. And when he was asked, when Joe Biden was asked, because everybody was thinking, you know, the Ukrainian people, they need something today, something right now. What are these sanctions going to do if you're only threatening them? Well, he was trying to explain up front they were going to deter Vladimir Putin from invading Ukraine. Just his threat telling Vladimir Putin, if you go in, here's what we're going to do to you and other partners in the world are going to join us in these things. And it's going to tear you apart economically. Vladimir Putin obviously just ignored him and he's doing, was doing, started doing, will be doing whatever he wants to do apparently And sanctions don't look like they're going to work. And then during the weekend, Joe Biden said, I never said that. (laughs) And of course, all weekend long, news media were taking the sound bites. You had Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State. You had Kamala Harris. You had Joe Biden himself saying sanctions would work and were going to work. In fact, Biden said this exactly. We need to wait 30 days and see how effective our sanctions have been, and then we'll double down on them if we have to. Well, we waited 30 days, and it hadn't impacted uh, Vladimir Putin pretty much at all. He doesn't like them. I know they are impacting him, but it's nothing like our president said. It's it, it's almost like you, you think he's got cognitive disability, and he's going to say stuff like this. But then also, you wonder if he is changing his mind or if there is a misrepresentation, or he doesn't remember, or he's lying. What they don't remember, these politicians, is that everything they say, everything they say, you can't you can't kill it. Once it comes out of your mouth, it's going to live forever somewhere. Everything you do, everything you say, is going to be on video and audio, and it's going to be available on the Internet. It seems like this president just doesn't give a rip. 
So the body count in the war is actually obviously going up. Zelensky says yesterday that 16,000 Russian troops have now been killed as his forces, he says, are ready to take back that city of Kherson today. He said they were going to take it back today, and he humiliated Vladimir as scales back the invasion to target just Ukraine's east side. Now, this popped up over the weekend. Zelensky said... Russians have been beaten back by the powerful blows of Ukrainian forces. The Ukrainian troops are ready to take back the city of Kherson. One advisor to the Ukrainian defense minister said he thought the city would be won back today. And it's seven hours ahead of us there, and I've gotten no news about them retaking Kherson. But folks, they're not giving up. They're not going to give up. They're going to keep after it. One uh, BBC reporter said, we finished in the last two days watching the operation in the Kiev region, so other armed forces are now focused on the southern part, trying to get free Kherson and some other Ukrainian cities. Zelensky welcomed 1,500 German anti-aircraft missiles. Thankfully, finally, he's getting some hardware over there, while Putin was said to be scaling back his invasion to liberating Ukraine's eastern Donbass region as he kept on firing against civilians, which is another thing you're not supposed to do. When you're, when you're in a war, of course, every war has a different reason for happening, but especially in a case where you're just hacked off and you want to go own <laughs> the place you're battling against, leave the civilians out of it. Once again, those are the people that are going to be the backbone of this company, of this country if and when you take it. So it's stupid to just destroy all the infrastructure because that's what you're going to have to have when you have the, the country. And it's stupid to kill or anger or injure all the civilians. Let, it looks like Putin doesn't give a rip. He's just taking anything and everything he wants as he sweeps in across Ukraine. There's a, a little thing that slipped out over the weekend. I, I dug this out. I haven't heard anybody talk about it, and it was shocking to me. You know, the sanctions were to cripple Russia financially. Well, guess what Putin's folks have figured out to do? The Central Bank of Russia, they're going to restart their purchase process of gold from banks starting today. And their excuse or reason for doing it is to balance supply and demand in the domestic precious metals market. And I thought they had sanctions. I thought they couldn't do this. They couldn't have any access to buy and sell anything. Well, they do, apparently. How's this is going to work? The Russian Central Bank is going to pay a fixed rate of 5,000 rubles per gram of gold. That's between today and the end of June. I don't know the I don't know the you know six weeks. I I don't understand it. And that price, forty nine dollars per gram, is below the value of gold in the international market, where a gram cost about sixty two dollars. Difference between forty nine dollars a gram and sixty two dollars. The Russian central bank argues 
that this established price level is going to ensure there'll be a, a stable supply of gold and also the smooth operation of the gold mining industry for the rest of this year. I get it. I get it. But once again, I thought we had sanctions against them for stuff like this. After June 30th, the purchase price of gold is going to be adjusted, taking into account the emerging balance of supply and demand in the local market. Putin signed a law back on the 9th of this month that exempted individuals from paying a 20 cent 20% value-added tax when they bought gold, physical gold. Demand for gold from households went up, obviously, and the Russian Central Bank halted gold buying from banks mid-March to meet the demand. They're supposed to, in Russia, have over, listen to this, 2,000 metric tons of gold that is valued around about $140 billion dollars. This represents the fifth largest stash of gold in the world. Gold makes up about 20% of Moscow's total reserves. However, $300 billion of Russia's reserves, roughly 50% of total reserves, have been frozen as part of Western sanctions. I thought we just, I don't, I don't understand if you're going to sanction somebody, why you exempt one part of what you're sanctioning them for. Shut them down economically so they can't do business, which means push them back to the corner and get them to stop this stinking war. But you're going to kind of sanction them regarding gold? That just sounds really fishy to me. Now, the G7 nations recently announced they're going to be restricting the Russian central bank's ability to use gold in transactions. But Moscow's trying to go around the restrictions. There is evidence that the Russians may be trying to get around. They're obviously going to try to. I don't blame them. To get around the sanctions on their goal. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson said they're trying to take steps to make sure that there's no leakage, that there's no sale of bullion into markets around the world. What are we doing? Our Treasury issued a notice a couple of days ago, starting stating that gold transactions with Russia are banned by citing executive orders signed by President Biden. I wonder, in the context of this, how many of things like this have just slipped by? Not supposed to happen, can't happen legally, but they're happening. How many others have slipped by? I guarantee you there are others that's happening to, and we don't know about it. The media doesn't know about it. You would think with all the leaks that we have in Washington, D.C., I mean, you, you, you roll it all in. You have the legislators themselves. You have people on their staffs. Usually each, each, uh, each member of Congress has a staff of between 30 and 60 that work for them, and then you have the people that they're obligated to. It's a daisy chain. There are thousands and thousands of people that have access to this kind of stuff. Information. I know my mic's doing that thing again. Dadgummit. Hold on just a second. Hold on just... No, I can't go there. Uh, 
Let me go to a break. We're going to change channels. <laughs> kind of like TV. Yeah, when you can't hear me. When you can't hear me, you can't hear me. <laughs> Back in a minute. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Duncan is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at Duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew. Smooth, bold, cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices. And there's more pumpkin for you to love, like the delicious fall classic, our pumpkin spice signature latte. Rich espresso topped with whipped cream, caramel drizzle, and cinnamon sugar. That's how we pumpkin at Duncan. Sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte. America runs on Duncan. Price of participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a swing. <sighs> ah! Bob? Whoa. Looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text weather and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer. Yahoo! Standard carrier text messaging rates apply. New Dunkin' Refreshers. Vibrant fruit flavors like strawberry dragon fruit and peach passion fruit. B vitamins and energy from green tea. All under 200 calories. Order ahead via the Dunkin' app for a contactless way to order, pay, and pick up in the drive-thru. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. You're standing against the tide of creeping insanity. One truth at a time. TNN. The Truth News Network. Here we are. I'm sorry about this. When you have uh, something like a microphone go out, um, it really changes. And we have a we have a, a broadcast board in, in here, and it has multiple channels on it. I I'm not going to bore you with what uh, that means, but basically, every channel has something that goes into it that's part of the broadcast: microphone, telephone hookups etc etc and uh when one of them has a glitch and you especially the main studio mic we have a, several microphones in here but the main studio mic is one right in front of me and something's going on in that first channel on the board i thought we had it fixed figured out but obviously we didn't so that was the the problem that we had to go to break for we were talking about ukraine and talking about What's going on regarding Russia? We either sanction them or we don't. I mean, I don't think, honestly, I don't think if we're going to sanction somebody, if they're doing something that is bad enough to need that, we just need to shut them down across the board. I know they've got people and we want their people to be able to eat and to be able to transact and have financial uh, operations going on for the people of that country in Russia. We, I get that. But folks, as he said, as the Kremlin advisor said, whoever serves as president of Russia is elected by the people. We're, we're in a situation now, folks, where across the board, around the world, we have people 
at the top of governments. I'm talking about premiers, Russian presidents, U.S. presidents, whatever you want to call them, that are loving this thing that has happened over the last couple of years where that person steps in and unilaterally takes actions that aren't approved by the government. They're not constitutionally in their individual countries. Okay, they're in violation with those agreements. Russia's different, folks. Yeah, there's an election there, but we all know that Vladimir Putin's going to win whenever there's an election. He knows that. Kind of like the Democrats in the United States now. Yeah, I'm talking about the big lie, what happened back in 2020, the November election. Every day, we get more information coming out from state courts that are saying there was fraud. There was massive voting irregularity. But even though we're not supposed to talk about it, it's the big lie. It's happening, and it was happening. And we're not stopping Russia from doing whatever they want to do economically. Some things... Why is it not everything? You got to, let me just say, you got an answer for me? I don't understand it. Two things I don't understand, and I can't get answers to this that are comfortable. Why is Joe Biden flying out there like he doesn't have a clue? And he's, he's doing things, I mean, major things. Nobody's reining him in. Everybody knows he's not doing it. He's not flying solo. There are people behind the scene that are teaching, reaching into his life, making decisions, and selling him on the fact that he's doing a good job. I don't think Joe Biden is stupid, folks. I know he knows the Washington landscape. He's been there for 50 years almost. Why would he be making these decisions that are so stupid add up for very little, and have his approval ratings at an all-time low, down in the 30% range. And that's after he got a bump when this Ukrainian thing began. And every day he's out there saying stupid things, doing stupid things, hurting a lot of people, not helping anybody, and he's actually hurting our nation over and over and over again. And he probably has a whole staff Jen Psaki's staff, who Jen's not working because she had COVID-19. I'm sure she'll be back this week, and I just can't wait. I'm sure you can't either. But somebody is making decisions, and whoever that person or persons is or are, are doing this president a tremendous disservice. They really are. Some news leaked out yesterday, last night, about our nominee for the uh, spot that's open in the Supreme Court, Katanji Brown-Jackson. Well, that information came out that disagreed with her, her own expert witnesses about the definition of pedophilia. And this came to light during her time as vice chair of the U.S. Sentencing Commission. So somebody went back and pulled up the information that's out there. Jackson who has been testifying last week in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, has now been accused by Republicans of giving lenient sentences to child sex criminals. And of course, during the hearing, she defended her actions and said she was doing what law students do when she wrote an essay in the Harvard Law School criticizing the treatment of sex offenders. 
So on February 12th, February 12th, back in 2012, during a Senate commission hearing with witnesses Gerald Grant, who was a New York digital forensics investigator, James Fottrell, a U.S. Justice Department expert in criminal child exploitation, Dr. Gene Abel, founder of Abel Screening. That's all, all these guys are a medical group that works to identify pedophiles. Quote, I was surprised at some testimony with respect to the motivations of offenders and that there are people who get involved with this kind of activity who may not be pedophiles, who may not be necessarily interested really in the child pornography, but have other reasons with respect to the use of the technology and the being in the group. And you know, there are lots of reasons perhaps why people might engage in this. That happened. She said it. January of, excuse me, February of 2012. During that hearing back then, she asked this. I'm wondering whether you could say that there is a, that there could be a less serious child pornography offender who is engaging in the type of conduct in the group experience level because their motivation is the challenge or to use the technology. They're very sophisticated technologically, but they aren't necessarily that interested in the child pornography piece of it. DOJ Futrell replied that he believed it's difficult to say that anybody with only a single illegal encounter are not dangerous. He explained people who look at child porn are exposed to so much more information and a network of other pedophiles so they're all very likely to become more serious offenders. She then asked a digital forensics investigator, what factors do you look at to say this person is really serious as opposed to someone else? He responded that he has not seen any distinct area that's going to put that person to the next level as an offender and the number of files downloaded did not matter. So later in that same hearing, Dr. Abel told the commission that Persistent sexual interest over time equals pedophile. Now, what does this have to do with right now? Put it in context. This woman looks like, unless something drastic happens in the next few days, she's going to become the next justice on the U.S. Supreme Court. She has a very speckled past on record. She is pro-pedophilia, pro-pedophile, and she is against the seriousness of pedophilia child pornography laws in the United States, federal laws in the United States. If that doesn't concern you, if that doesn't cause you to want to find out more about what she believes on that level, and folks, let me just say this. We've learned through decades that pornography is not a single level affliction. It has multiple layers in it that include varying levels of people that are really, really bad, people that have emotional problems, people that are just sex fiends. There are layers that are there. Where are her layers of acceptance? Is it okay to do this, but not to do that? Is it okay to think this and not to think that? How does it happen? How when people among pedophiles break laws, especially when it involves children. What's reasonable and not 
to hold them accountable. She wouldn't answer those questions in her hearings last week. She was artful at stepping around the things that put her in a corner. She did pop a couple of times and get a little negative. Honestly, I don't think she is the kind of person that should be serving on the court, but you know, it's my opinion. You have yours, I have mine, we all have them. Uh, just before we move on, just think for a minute, confirmation, contrast between Tanji Brown Jackson's hearings in the Senate, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee, when Brett Kavanaugh came up. So conservatives noted and brought it up a bunch how Republicans were pretty calm in their questioning of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson as compared to that of Justices Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett. Liberals complained. The nominee was asked difficult questions. They were griping about what was being asked to Jackson. Joe Biden's first nominee to the high court. She has a very, very strong history of progressive views and also in her judicial philosophy, like praising the godfather of critical race theory, reducing prison time for a child pornography offender, looking back at former President Trump's last two Supreme Court nominees, that was Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett. They're both conservative Catholics with pro-life views, and of course that means regarding abortions. Host Sarah Haynes on The View criticized Republican senators for asking Jackson about her faith while claiming it had been necessary for senators to ask Barrett about her religion during her confirmation hearing. The difference, this is Haynes talking, the difference was it made sense for Amy Coney Barrett to be questioned on those things purely because of the number one issues dividing this country is a woman's right to choose versus pro-life, and it's a religious It's greatly and mostly based in a religious belief and separating that belief out. Barrett's entire life was enmeshed in religion. This is Haynes that is saying that about Amy Coney Barrett. I don't know Amy Coney Barrett, one of my best friends and actually somebody you hear on this show fairly regularly knows her well. They've been good friends all through her life. She and her life was not, is not enmeshed in religion. She is a devout Christian. She is a Catholic, and she's a devout Catholic. But here's a talk show host, Sarah Haynes, has never talked to Amy Coney Barrett, and she's analyzing her from what? Television and what people say on television. So when they pressed her on religion, Haynes said, She was on board. She was on pro-life boards. So when they pressed her on religion, whereas Lindsey Graham had kind of couched it in, they're trolling all this personal information. It absolutely was necessary in the questioning of Amy Coney Barrett. Whereas when they did it to Ketanji Brown, they're trolling her. They're trying to make her out to be something. Is this kind of parsing things? I mean, I think... Amy Coney Barrett was attacked. I don't feel in any way that Republicans attacked Ketanji Brown Jackson. There's a big difference there. 
Haynes said that senators are not going to vote on Jackson based on her hearings, but rather straight down party lines. Senators Ted Cruz, Hawley, Graham were campaigning for president, she claimed, trying to ride on her coattails already, where she's barely able to answer these questions. Are babies racist? Rate your religion on a scale of 1 to 10. What's the definition of a woman? She said it speaks to how unassailable she is that it's reached this absurd level of questioning. Cruz did ask Jackson if babies are racist, and it, it was based on a book, Anti-Racist Baby, because the private school that she, Katanji Jackson, she serves on a, the board of directors, they teach that book, Any Racist Baby, in pre-K through second grade. I don't believe any child should be made to feel as though they're racist or though they're not valued or though they are less than than they are victims that are oppressors. I don't believe in any of that. Marsha Blackburn, Senator Quarry Jackson on the definition of a woman with regard to transgender issues. So this is what the left does. They bring it up. They give you like the title. Oh, asking her if babies are racist, born racist. That wasn't what the question about. Define what woman is. Blackburn was asking that in the context of getting her transgender opinions out in the open. Nadia Brown, a governor a government professor, chair of the Women's and Gender Studies program at Georgetown U, said that she had her class watch clips of Jackson's confirmation hearing, and she explained the attacks that she endured from the senators. This is just a master class in how black women have to be patient, have to be fully composed when they respond to things that are meant for destruction. These are the kinds of attacks that black women get in their professional roles. On the other hand, Previous Republican Supreme Court nominees endured tough questioning and smear campaigns. That's according to Kerry Severino, president of Judicial Crisis Network. Democrats are already going wild over simply asking Judge Jackson difficult questions, Severino said. You know, Senator Durbin apologized for all that this process has put you and your family through and the bizarre conspiracy theory claims. And I'm going, wait a minute, what bizarre theories? No one's claimed that she raped somebody on a boat in Rhode Island, that she, like, that she was a serial rapist, and she was alluding to the uncorroborated allegations pushed by Democrats during Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings. We're talking about people who are actually investigating her record in nine years on the federal bench. And she's talking about the Republican senators. Those are legitimate questions. Even when she's been asked legitimate questions about actual areas of law, Justices Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, Justice Barrett, but also people like Justin, Justice Kagan and Justice Sotomayor were willing to answer those same questions. You can discuss these areas of law, and she's dodged every one of them. So we didn't see handmaids. We didn't see protesters today. I'm very grateful of that, but we're seeing people trying to turn serious questions and serious discussion on the relevant qualifications of a judge into pretending that that's somehow equivalent to what happened 
in the Brett Kavanaugh process. I think anyone could go back and relook at those hearings and be reminded of the differences. In the very beginning, in the opening session of Jackson's hearings, Blackburn Graham and Senator Chuck Grassley each emphasized that the process would be respectful and civil, unlike the Kavanaugh and Barrett hearings. Blackburn pointed out Barrett was questioned about her faith, whether that made her suitable for the court. She also asked that GOP Judiciary Committee members would focus on the issues that the American people want to focus on because they want to know about you, how you're going to approach your job, the choices that you have made in the past, what you've written, what you've said. Oh, how did I, I just don't get it. I don't understand how they they look at the differences in asking serious questions and then they cheat when they take something, a phrase, and take it totally out of context and say that's what the Republicans asked when it's not. I think we're getting to the point where they are so confident that they own the mainstream media that the media are going to come around and cover for them in everything, in every area. And I got to be honest with you, I'm beginning to agree that that has to be what it's about because they make no bones about it. When they want to lie and misrepresent something that somebody said or a purpose or a meaning or a phrase or even a segment of a sentence, they just go ahead with impunity and do it. And they make it sound totally like just because I said it, it's factual. That's like screaming at your friend, making fun of your friend. Say you're in a, a, clouded area, a crowded area. you got a football game, for instance, and your friend's sitting 20 yards away from you, and you holler at him. Hey, Bill, when did you stop beating your wife? Well, Bill hadn't been beating his wife, but every person within sound heard that question and automatically think, I guess he beat his wife. I guess he beats his wife. And this guy's asking if he stopped beating his wife. What kind of guy is Bill? What a horrible person he is. And then we start drawing conclusions. Most of the time, when you don't have all the facts and you draw any type of conclusion, your conclusion's going to be wrong, or at least it's going to be weighted in the wrong uh, direction. If you don't have facts, if you don't have specifics, when you're looking at things, working on really getting something good done, even if your intentions are good, but you've got kind of factual information, the outcome's never going to be good. You know that. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. The following is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or lollygag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries, was $4.79, now just $2.99. 
But act now or later because these staples everyday price cuts will be around for a really, really long time. Price cuts like a two-pack of Scotch Magic Tape, previously $4.79, now just $2.99. And Scotch Packaging Tape, now just $2.29 for today, tomorrow, and pretty much every day till the cows come home. But don't hurry. These everyday price cuts are indefinite. To repeat, these prices will last. So stop by your nearest staples whenever it's convenient and take advantage of these normal, continuing everyday price cuts. Thank you. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at the sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. That's a good song, Stuck in the Middle with You. You remember that? Man, there have been some great songs in the past. What is it and why is it every generation grabs a song or a a group of a type of songs and they just kind of make it, that's ours. That's from our generation. We own that. I think that's just being human. I think that's what we all like to do. Well, have you wondered where Dr. Fauci was? where, Where has Dr. Fauci been? Uh, he's been gone. He's been somewhere. He hadn't been on front and center stage. I think that is purposeful on his part, to be honest with you. I think he's been so exposed in so many ways for so many things. He's just trying to stay out of the, the, uh, the sight and the attention of everybody. Well, he came out over the weekend and, uh, he said he's not going to be taking sides on New York city mayor, Eric Adams, very controversial vaccine exemption. Did you hear what the what the mayor said last week? You know, they've had this horrible, horrible, uh, egregious rule regarding everything to do with COVID-19 in New York City. First, it was mask, 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 and then it was take the jabs, take the jabs, take the jabs. And so teams like the New York Knicks, and the, the team in Brooklyn, I believe they're now the Brooklyn Nets, uh, the New York Madison Square Garden, the Knicks. Some of those athletes can't play at home games because they haven't been vaccinated. They refuse to be vaccinated. Well, that changes the whole outlook of the NBA season. And it's, it's also about the entertainment industry. You know, Broadway's been shut down. And there have been some, you know, here and there, Broadway musicals just come back, but it's not anything close to what it used to be. And everybody thought as COVID-19 kind of eased up that they would go softer and softer in New York City and take away these vaccination mandates. Well, Eric Adams, the mayor, he says, nope. He did exempt a whole lot of people that are not regular people, famous athletes and performers. They get to do their thing. They need to go back to work and get their stuff done. But guess what he's done? He didn't He didn't exempt from his vax mandate over 1,000 New York City employees, just regular people. Fauci spoke to 
Neil Cavuto on Fox News this weekend. I'm not there on the ground in New York, he said. Fauci told Neil, I don't have a good feel for what the situation is, so is it? it's a really tough problem. So when Cavuto pushed Fauci on the idea of just one vaccination rule for everybody, Fauci, who would normally, you and I both know, he would jump right on it. Yeah, everybody's got to be vaxxed. No, he didn't say that. What he said was, I don't want to be taking sides. I think that the mayor had a difficult decision to make, as you mentioned. Unvaccinated New York City workers who were fired from their jobs for not getting their shots, they just went crazy on the last couple of days over the weekend. Adams, the mayor, held a press conference at City Field to announce that he was lifting the ban on unvaccinated big league jocks from competing in their sports. This is interesting how this is playing out. I've heard interviews with dozens of them. If you're a uh, frontline worker at a hospital, you got fired. You're not getting your job back. And uh, if you're a regular person, everyday working person, well, you work in an office or you work in a restaurant and your boss is about to lay you off or you've been laid off, you're not going to get a break. But if you're a professional athlete, NBA, Major League Baseball, you get a break. If you uh, dance or sing on Broadway, you get a break. And, of course, Eric Adams has been pilloried ever since because these are the people. We're talking about first responders, cops, firemen, people that have worked through the pandemic right through, protecting themselves as best as possible. But there are a lot of those frontline workers that got COVID just by doing their jobs. And then at the very end of this whole thing, they still refuse to get vaccinated. Their personal choice and the mayor's not going to let them not only not going to let them go back to work they're firing them i can't put a i can't put a reason on that it 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 just doesn't make sense what kind of benefit is there now knowing everything we know about covid-19 knowing how much false information caused us to change our lives totally And then we start getting the facts and we know that it's not the unvaccinated people that are transmitting COVID-19. It's people that are vaccinated. And apparently, folks, the vaccinations aren't doing anything at all. In fact, in many cases, they're causing more harm than good. And yet the mayor, Eric Adams, in the uh, New York City Police Department for his entire career, he understands what living in a blue-collar city is all about, and he's making these stupid choices and decisions, and he's doubling down. I thought when de Blasio left that we wouldn't see any more of this. But apparently I'm wrong. What have you heard or what are you thinking about the warnings about food shortages being on their way to us? I got to be honest with you. I think it's I think it's about to happen. I think it's not going to be a a slow thing here in the United States. I think all of a sudden in one week we're all going to get hammered when we don't have food products that we can buy that we always just took for granted. And it's already happening over in the Middle East, folks. 
Even bread is not something we take for granted anymore. I mean, that's kind of like the basic staple. From Lebanon, Iraq, Syria, to Sudan and Yemen, millions, millions already in the Middle East whose lives were already upended by conflicts, displacement, poverty. Now they're fighting to get food, just basic food to live. Ukraine and Russia combined account for a third of global wheat and barley, which countries in the Middle East rely on to feed millions of people who live on subsidized bread and bargain noodles. They are also top exporters of other grains in the sunflower seed oil that is used for cooking. Even before this war in Ukraine, people in countries across the Middle East, Northern Africa, weren't getting enough food to eat. Now with trade disruptions spurred by the conflict, more commodities are becoming either unaffordable or unavailable. Put simply, people cannot afford food of the quality or the quantity that they need across the Middle East with those in conflict and crisis-affected countries. This thing about the wheat and barley, that's the thing that's going to kick us. And folks, so many foods that we eat, so many of them have as fundamental parts of it, wheat and barley. I'm a bread guy. I can't imagine a situation where we couldn't have bread, couldn't get bread. But it looks like it's coming down the pipe. It's, you know, look what's happened with gasoline. I mean, all of a sudden, election day 2020, gas was a buck 60 a gallon. Can you believe that? And we're struggling now. We're happy that the price went down below $4 a gallon. But it's still in the high threes. What's that all about? We're not seeing any reasons ever come to us about it. So the gas prices, that's kind of like the 900-pound gorilla in the room. Where's all this coming from? Of course, Joe and everybody else in the Democrat Party, they say, they point to Biden. It's Biden administration, Biden gas hikes. Folks, it was well underway before Russia and Ukraine ever happened. Biden's first day in action. He revoked the Keystone XL Pipeline's federal permit. That pipeline would have transported more crude oil into the U.S. from Canada. The administration abandoned the Willow Project, a significant oil and gas project in Alaska that was approved by the Trump administration that one would have produced 100,000 barrels of oil every day. After a federal judge ordered the Biden folks to halt their ban on new federal land drilling leases, the Department of the Interior has dragged its feet. They've defied multiple court order deadlines to restart the program. The Interior Department also chose not to appeal a recent ruling that prohibited an offshore drilling lease in the Gulf of Mexico the agency had facilitated in the fall. Uh, see Jen Psaki when she gets to the podium. She points. She says, we're not, I mean, we, you know, we, yeah, he did the XL pipeline, but there was no gas flowing through the XL pipeline. It wasn't even close to being finished, which it was. But when she said that, the world looked in and said, we hadn't thought about that. So that XL pipeline, hoo-ha, 
that's meaningless. And then we have all these leases that are out there. Yeah, there are a bunch of leases out there, but there are two parts to drilling leases. Number one, you have destroyed the infrastructure of the companies that will drill. I mean, there are people out there, I don't know if you know the cost of a drilling rig, the cost is astronomical. And so these exploration companies, they have four, five, six, 10, 20 drilling rigs that are multi-million dollar creations. They can't afford to just let those things sit there and rot and rust. What are they doing? They're selling them. There are other types of reasons for using drilling rigs. So if they start back up, they're going to have to replace that part of the infrastructure. And it's not just a rig. It's everything that goes along with it. The second part of that is Joe Biden, he just canceled all that stuff on day one. No notice. Yeah, he said he was going to do it, but nobody really thought he would. And some of the other things have been, many of the other things for him have been knee-jerk reactions. Do you think anybody's going to spend millions of dollars and commit to millions more of expenses with this guy in the fossil fuel industry? You have no idea what he's going to say or do next. You could get started based on this and him just come back and say, bam, nah, we're going to go back to no exploration, no fossil fuel. We're going to stop it. We're going to be green energy. And it never makes sense. It never has. It doesn't right right now. Even if his renewable energy and the climate change fanatics got their way and we made a decision as a nation, we're going all battery-powered vehicles. We're going to stop, in great part, our reliance. James Posey just sent me a text about the cost of a drilling. Let's see what he said. James said, a drill site to finish is about $40 million. And, of course, it depends on the depth of the, uh, that they're going with the drilling rig and if it's straight down or if it's the ones that go down like Haynesville Shell where it goes down a certain distance below the ground and then they go directional from there and go out. Those are much more expensive. The U.S. is on track to again become a net importer of oil in 2022 after briefly reaching net exporter status in the fall of 2020 before Joe became president. Factoring in oil, coal, natural gas trade for the first time in 75 years, we were number one. Listen to this. We haven't had a federal lease sale in North Dakota in over a year. That was what Republican from North Dakota, Kelly Armstrong said, these are real things. You're sending signals, not just to energy companies, but also to Wall Street. Drilling projects take several years to do. A ton of capital has to be raised. And how do they raise that money? They get people to invest in them. Wall Street does that. But the Biden administration has been telling Wall Street, stop doing this. Stop getting people to invest in drilling projects. There's no drilling project that's going to happen. And so Wall Street's been out there demeaning the fossil fuel industry, and this is how Biden works. He changes his mind at a minute, no notice, no preparation, no leaking information out there or preparation. Who in their white mind would spend $20 million today to drill a well? 
I don't know many that would. And what they don't understand is what uh, the biggest product by far that comes out of the ground is natural gas. Natural gas. Now, natural gas in the climate change scenario, it burns much, much, much cleaner than do diesel and gasoline. A guy named Paul Ulrich over the weekend, he's a uh, energy vice president of Jonah Energy. He said the single largest misconception about natural gas is that we can't do it clean. We can, he said. We've proven it here in that field, the Jonah field. Other operators have proven it. We absolutely are a large part of the solution to climate goals. He said about 40% of electric generation in the U.S. is powered by natural gas. So if you've got these parts of the industry that work and that do it economically friendly, that are not really doing real damage to our environment, look what's happened over the last 20 years. We have over the each of the last six decades reduced our fossil fuel and our carbon emissions. Every year they've gone down. Natural gas is a big part of that. Jonah Field was one of the largest onshore national gas discoveries back in the early 90s. The Environmental Information Administration calls natural gas a relatively clean burning fossil fuel. Well drilling activities produce air pollution, may disturb people, wildlife, and water resources. We know that. Laying pipelines that transport natural gas from wells usually requires clearing land to bury the pipe. Natural gas production can also produce large volumes of contaminated water. Folks, all of those things, everything that's good, that you go out, you ex- you explore, you find that will be good for the people in the nation, everything comes with a small price. But what you do, you always mitigate the damage or the problems you're going to cause and just go after it and be very careful to get the good stuff to work. That's the way it's always worked in the U.S. I mean, if they want to go right down to it, look at all the trees. Oh, my gosh, look at all the forests that have been obliterated. That's been horrible. Well, yeah, it has been horrible to the trees that have gone down, but that's been necessary to even have a place that you can live in. And we're talking through centuries, two and a half centuries. Everything has changed. What they want to do is they want to pick and choose what they can go after in a negative way about change there. They don't go after the change across the board. It's only when there's a political narrative involved and they want to point that out and do something about the ones that they like against the ones that they don't like. Politics has really made living in America hard to do now. You remember Chris Wallace. He worked at Fox News for years. He had that uh, Sunday morning show. He was always, I guess until the Trump administration, he was always pretty right down the middle. Well, as everybody knows, when Trump became president, he got really edgy against Donald Trump, then got really negative against him. 
and he even left Fox News a few months ago. He said that working at Fox News became unsustainable, and that was in the aftermath of the 2020 election. I'm fine with opinion, conservative opinion, liberal opinion, he said over the weekend in the New York Times. But when people start to question the truth, who won the 2020 election? Was January 6th an insurrection? I found that unsustainable. I spent a lot of 2021 looking to see if there was a different place for me to do my job. So he announced he was leaving Fox in December to join CNN's online streaming network that's just kicking off, CNN+. Plus. He talked about his former employer's shift in encouraging Donald Trump's election fraud claims by replacing anchor Martha McCallum's The Story with the more conservative Jesse Waters primetime and laying off Chris Starwalt, who was the political editor who first projected then-president candidate Joe Biden's victory in Arizona. Remember that? Wallace also was against Fox News host and Daily Caller co-founder Tucker Carlson's Patriot Purge, which is a three-part documentary exploring how the Biden's administration used the Capitol riots to depict conservatives as terrorists. Wallace said, before I found it was an environment in which I could do my job and feel good about my involvement in Fox, and since November of 2020, that just became unsustainable, increasingly unsustainable as times went on. He told the New York Times of his intention to switch from political coverage to separate topics that include sports and the arts. He described how covering political topics like Build Back Better began to lose its attraction. There's not been a moment when I have a second guess about myself about this decision. He said he was obviously unhappy that former President Jeff Zucker resigned over his undisclosed relationship with Chief Marketing Officer Allison Golust, who served as the communications director for former Democrat New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. It's interesting. You know, this kind of depicts how people change in politics. Chris Wallace, his dad was um, 60 Minutes for years and years and years. Mike Wallace. Chris wanted to follow in dad's steps, but he wanted to be an opinion guy. And he was the perfect fit at Fox Fox News. He didn't do a daily show. He did... He did uh, several different times he appeared on shows during the week, but his big thing was the one on Sunday, and it was watched by tens of millions of people. I mean, it, it it was a big deal. And people liked it because he played the middle. But you remember that famous debate in the 2020 election run when he was the host That was when it became first just absolutely obvious, his disdain for Donald Trump. And I got to be honest with you, some of the things he said, the way he covered up for Joe Biden, and he stopped some of the questions that Donald Trump was throwing at Joe Biden, he, he refused to get Biden to be required to answer the questions he would cover from. He would stop Trump, but would never stop Joe. That was the time it became very obvious to me. He's changed, he's in the tank, and he needs to go. And sure enough, he's gone. Interesting, the place he went. i got to be honest with you. If you're a journalist, (laughs) 
probably the last place you want to go, and I mean this, is CNN. CNN is not a real journalistic operation. It's an opinion operation. It's not like Fox and some other networks where some of the people that are on air, they're couched as being opinion folks. But there's a difference in being news and being opinion. And it's okay to be a news reporter and express your opinion in the context of an opinion piece. But to couch everything you do on air, on air, everything you say on air, every report that you cover, you couch that as being news and it's not news, you don't become a newscaster. You're a journalist, but you're an editor, editorial journalist. And there's a big difference. That's where opinion comes in as compared to just giving facts and letting people make decisions for themselves. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals... Better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey Ed Itchy in Idaho, yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels in a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep, there's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Guess who's back in the news and every day gets back in the news in a big, 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 big way. It would be a Biden, but it's not Joe Biden. It's Hunter Biden. And every week we find out there's more and more coming to this laptop story. Over the weekend, the Daily Mail, that's an entity out of the UK, the Daily Mail reported emails recovered from Hunter's laptop show that he helped an infectious disease research company go after projects in Ukraine. (laughs) This is getting more and more sophisticated and, I mean, involved. Those emails, they say, they prove that portions of charges Russia made the previous day 
that an investment group run by the now president's son had funded a company that was conducting research at biological laboratories in Ukraine. So while these developments add another scandal to the long list of the Biden family syndicate, their dirty laundry, the more urgent concern for the country should be this threat to our national security. The Hunter Biden laptop thing is a national security thing that's posed by a compromised president and the possibility that Russia now has access to the catalog of compromising material that is on Hunter's laptop. If Just think back for a minute. Remember weeks before Trump and Joe Biden faced off in the November 2020 election. The New York Post, remember, they published emails that came from a laptop that Hunter had abandoned at a repair shop in Delaware. Those emails revealed that during Elder Biden's time as Barack Obama's VP, Hunter engaged in a pay-to-play scandal trading his father's position to strike deals with players in Ukraine and also in China. The venture was a family one. Joe, the big guy, that's the title that he carried in those emails, listed in one email as set to get a 10% cut of one pending deal and Hunter telling his daughter in another message that Pop took half of the earnings. Pop, big guy. Even after a former business partner of Hunter's confirmed that it was authentic, these emails, the supposed standard bearers of journalism, New York Times, they buried it. Social media, they censored anybody that would reprint the story or anybody that would talk about it. Worse still, more than 50 former senior intelligence officials signed a letter, and the letter said that Hunter Biden emails were Russian disinformation. And then, of course, a couple of weeks ago, we find out. It's finally verified. Intelligence officials said, yeah, that Hunter Biden laptop, the emails that came off of it, they're real. And they are not Russian disinformation. And now, here we are, two years later. Even the New York Times has admitted the laptop was real, the emails are legitimate. Initially, that admission proved significant because it likewise legitimizes the scandals that came from the documents recovered from Hunter's abandoned laptop. But the trajectory of the scandal changed Friday with the Daily Mail's exclusive. Emails from Hunter's laptop show he helped secure millions of dollars of funding for Metabata, a Department of Defense contractor that specializes in research on pandemic-caused diseases that could be used as a bioweapon. Remember the bioweapon laboratories in Ukraine? It's all beginning to tie together, folks. The article continued that Biden also introduced that company, Metabiota, to an allegedly corrupt Ukrainian gas firm. Which one? Uh, Burisma. For a science project. That's what they called it, involving high biosecurity-level labs in Ukraine. Although Metabiota is ostensibly a medical data company, 
its vice president, emailed Hunter in 2014 talking about how they could assert Ukraine's cultural and economic independence from Russia as an unusual goal for a biotech firm. More details about Matabiota and Hunter's role in brokering relationships included throughout the article copies of the emails obtained from Hunter's laptop that confirmed the Daily Mail's reporting. The article added details that showed that on Hunter's business dealings in Ukraine during the time his father served as vice president and America's point person on issues related to that country are real. Friday's exclusion is not the first time the Daily Mail has published never-before-seen material from that laptop. Last August, they're the ones that published unearthed footage of Hunter telling a prostitute that in the summer of 2018, another laptop went missing. He believed Russia had stolen it. At the time, Hunter also shared concern that the laptop might prove fodder for blackmail since it contained compromising material. The one common thing here is it's Hunter Biden. It's the son. And folks, all of this floating around out there This is why, when you put it all together, we have a national security problem over this. No question about it. It's a national security problem. Why so much? How many copies of that laptop, that first one, and even the second one that we just hear about? How many of those hard drives from those laptops have been pandered around the world? I mean, I know two or three people that have them, have copies of them. If it gets copied one time, folks, it's going to turn up over and over and over again. What's on those hard drives? What are the issues that they talk about? Who's involved in them? And how does that impact our national security here in the U.S.? This also explains why Moscow, Vladimir Putin, so loudly just went crazy about Hunter Biden and these laptops and what they were talking about. They were talking about bioweapons laboratory research that has been undertaken. It's been common knowledge. It's been going on for years in Ukraine. But what wasn't common knowledge is our CIA was involved in them and actually set several of them up, if not all of them up. It all began to make sense when Vladimir Putin began to reach out and say one of the primary reasons we're going invading Ukraine is to destroy those American-backed laboratories that are doing biological weapons research that could impact us as Ukraine's next-door neighbor. Hunter Biden's name keeps coming up, and more and more we find out he is further and more deeply involved and political things that are happening in his dad's administration. Somebody needs to look into that. If it was, oh, let's say a Donald Trump in office and Donald Jr. was charged with some of the same things, what would be being done now? What do you think would be going on? You and I both know what would be going on. There'd be a massive investigation underway. Would have been two years ago when all this surfaced. Nope. 
hands off. It's a Democrat. We don't do that. And what about Joe Biden and all the monies given away by the government and how he, he promised we were going to replenish that money? Taxes on millionaires, billionaires. He's announced a new minimum tax targeting billionaires that's part of his 2023 fiscal year budget. He announced the proposal on Saturday. They put out a fact sheet ahead of the budget release stating that the president's plan rewards work, not wealth. They're calling this thing Biden's billionaire minimum income tax. If it's passed, it'll make America's tax code fairer, reduce the deficit by about $360 billion in just the next decade. Are you like me? Are you tired of being told that the government, our government, is in any way going to have a <laughs> have an increase, have cash left over at the end of any year in spending, that they'll be able to cut our deficit by $360 billion? It, do you really think that's going to happen? There is no way. This government is going to ever cut their spending. It's not going to happen. There's nobody in Washington that thinks it's even feasible to do. We have made the bureaucracy so big, so expensive, so many people, so many causes involved in it, that we would have to start cutting jobs. Oh my gosh, do away with some federal jobs Boy, that's a pipe dream. If you think that's ever going to happen, you're smoking something. As part of his budget, he's asking Congress to pass a bill mandating the richest American families pay a minimum of 20% on all of their income, including unrealized investment income. Now, let me tell you what that is. Unrealized investment income. That means they invested in, say, uh, a company. It's growth. They pay $20 for it, and it grows to $30 and $40. Well, they want to tax the part of the income on that company that hasn't become income yet. It's unrealized. But these so-called financial experts are going to be able to look at past performance, and they're going to be able to say next year, this company's going to make 30% more than it made last year. So guess what? You are going to be in the billionaire class. You're going to get taxed on the unrealized investment income. Biden's long said, I'm for higher taxes on billionaires. I don't know why he's never done it, but this is the first time the House, the White House, is proposing a plan that directly targets billionaires. So far, his attempts to tax billionaires failed due to the opposition from Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. The White House document said that many of these millionaires and billionaires pay lower tax rates than middle-class employees because of an imbalanced tax code. Well, who makes the tax code? Who does that? The, the United States Congress, the representatives of the people. If the people want anything done, anything deleted, anything changed in legislation, what do they do? 
they reach out to their representatives, U.S. members of the House of Representatives and members who are U.S. senators. Those are the people that have the sole power to craft all the laws. And regarding financial matters, the House of Representatives constitutionally is where the source of spending by the government is put together, revised, changed, deleted, whatever. This government ain't ever going to lower its spending. I got to tell you, you know, I wanted you to hear, and I forgot about it when we uh, were talking about Hunter Biden's laptops. Um, Daryl Issa, you remember him? He didn't, you don't see much. Back in the, uh, in the Obama administration, he was one of the nemesis. He was a representative in the House of Representatives, and he headed a committee, and they did investigations. And he went after the Obama and Biden corruption. And then he left office for one term. He's back in business, back in Congress from California, And he talked about over the weekend this Hunter Biden stuff. And he warned some things about Hunter Biden's laptops. We will have a different future, a brighter future, rooted in democracy and principle, hope and light. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. There it is. Joe Biden sparking global backlash with that remark about Putin's regime, sending the White House into immediate damage control. Clarifying, quote, The president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise powers over his neighbors or the region. He was not discussing Putin's power in Russia or regime change. Right. Here to react, retired U.S. Army Captain and House Foreign Affairs Committee member, Congressman Daryl Issa. Congressman, great to see you this morning. We've talked at length about what might have happened there in that moment. Can you help shine light on what you think the ramifications are, maybe in Russia? How will that comment land? Well, I'm sure in Russia they were asking who has the football at this time, if that man is saying that. Uh, You know, presidents are held to a very high standard of accuracy when they say things, particularly in a prepared speech. And in this case, this was supposed to be a prepared speech. Uh, This certainly was not in the speech. No speechwriter would use terms like that for the same reason as uh, when the president was asked about chemical weapons uh, and he said, we'd respond in kind. We have banned chemical weapons, would not use them, and any response would be based on the illegal use of chemical weapons by Putin, which he's already done. He's used uh, uh, these phosphorus burning uh, agents that uh, most civilized countries wouldn't use any longer. So uh, what is what's happening in uh, in Russia? In Russia, they know they have a president who is as inconsistent in what he says he's going to do as he was in that 65 minute speech or uh, conversation in which he told Putin how terrible the uh, sanctions would be. And then Putin invaded anyway, feeling that it wasn't that terrible. Yeah, I wonder how seriously 
Vladimir Putin and those in Russia take Joe Biden's comments? Or do they discount them as also the off-the-cuff, unplanned ramblings that so many here at home do as well? I want to save some time, Congressman, because I want to really get to this topic with you. Um, you have sent a letter to some of the CEOs of big tech companies saying, preserve your records. We want to know what went on in the fall of 2020 when it came to suppressing the Hunter Biden story. As well, your colleague, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, said this. She said, we will subpoena Hunter Biden. It should concern every American that they did this for the Biden family's financial gain, which came at the cost of our national security. What can you do? Should Republicans take back Congress? What can you do to find some accountability on this story? Well, one of the reasons I sent the preservation letters is that those notices, uh, if you then destroy uh, evidence, uh, are in fact evading Congress and uh, suppressing evidence. We've had that in the past. Obviously, we had that with Hillary Clinton at her attempt to destroy all the evidence of, of her illegal activities. Uh, but the other part of it is that the because this involves so many companies such as Facebook, uh, Twitter, and so on, they took down the New York Post. Uh, there was clearly a conspiracy to uh, to, if you will, cover up the wrongdoing of the president and his family uh, just before an election that he had to win and did win. So uh, the investigation is clearly warranted, not just because Hunter Biden is, seems to be a. Uh, uh, a petty criminal uh, taking advantage of his father's money and perhaps sharing it, uh, you know, money with his father. It's because if we have this kind of of coordinated effort just before an election, what we have is American collusion to over to affect the output of an election. That can't happen. We've got to make sure that our press is free and fair. And right now, when it comes to new media. Free and fair doesn't exist. And when it comes to one of the oldest newspapers in America, the New York uh, uh, Post was founded in 1801, uh, they were suppressed. And right. that's something that uh, every American should be concerned about. And the Judiciary Committee and other committees of Congress are going to have to investigate it thoroughly. You're t I am tempted to explain it potentially as hive mind group think that they all acted in concert so quickly. But to your point, they all said the exact same thing as well. They quoted Russian disinformation, the same exact things that our intelligence, many within our intelligence community were saying as well, leading you, I would hope, to the exact type of investigation that you are talking about. Where was this coordination coming from? I would love to go on, Congressman. I'm really tied up against it. If you have something very quick, I'd love to hear it. Just that uh, both Clapper and Brennan uh, received the same letters because Perfect. they clearly were part of those coordinated effort for the intelligence community to tell people there was no there there when there was a there there. Can't wait to find out the truth to expose the truth. Congressman Darrell Issa, thank you so much. Do you Thanks, get, Will. Do you get surprised when you hear things like this that come up? There are so many of them, one after another. I mean, think about it. We had all the things during COVID-19. We had all the things about back in uh, Donald Trump's presidency about all the stuff that he did, colluding with Russia, allegedly. We spent four years, all four years of the Trump presidency, pushing back against bad information from the people that we are endowed, have endowed them to be the arbiters of what is fact and what isn't fact and to bring us the facts and the facts only. And not only do they not bring us the facts, they beat us in the head over and over and over again and said, you got to believe what we say. 
don't believe the guys that are saying the other things because they're wrong. We're the legacy media. We're the ones that have the information, have all the facts, believe us. And of course, what that means is we're the ones that are going to bring you the only information that you need to have. We're smarter than the other guys. And Americans just swallow those pills. It is getting a little bit better, no doubt about it. But it's it, we still have a long way to go. That's a wrap on Monday here at TNN Live. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to, on tomorrow's show, Alex Bryant, African-American man from Southern Missouri. I spent some time with him on the phone. You're going to like meeting him, talking about an upcoming election, the ones in the midterms, and what he's running about. It, it, it's, a, it's a great story. You don't want to miss it. He'll be in the 9 o'clock hour tomorrow morning. Until then, you have a great day. Enjoy your day. And we'll see you tomorrow.